What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is, well, I guess, yeah, technically got to go Thursday. It's early, but I got to call it Thursday. Um, Thursday, January 7th, 2016, and you guys are listening to episode 240. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope your holidays were amazing. TVE is back. Uh, I did take a little break. Like I said, I thought I was going to maybe be able to get one before New Year's and do one in California. Unfortunately, circumstances, uh, traveling and not really having control of studio and all that. And I did have my equipment with me. However, um, I was being uh, entertained and hosted by uh, great people. Shout out to uh, Bill Burr um, and his lovely wife for uh, welcoming me and my wife, um, also Joe Bartnick, um, on New Year's Eve. We had an amazing time out in California, a ton of stuff to talk about. Uh, This is going to be a packed show. This is going to be a long show. So um, sit back, relax, wherever you uh, are right now, whether it's, you know how I like to say, you're in the car, are you in your cubicle, are you on a treadmill, Are you just sitting somewhere listening, smoking a stick, drinking, getting ready to hear the nonsense which is about to ensue here on TVE 240? Sit back and relax. I got a good one for you guys. Um, I first off want to say I hope everybody had a great Christmas, New Year's, um, happy, healthy, all that good stuff. We're going to talk about it. Um, Obviously, I spent uh, Christmas uh, here in New York uh, with my family, which is amazing. And then New Year's, me and the wife flew over first class on Delta to L.A., which was fucking awesome. I can't wait to talk to you guys about that. I'm going to talk about sports stuff going on, the Giants getting rid of the coach. Um, I'm going to talk about... Um, a theory that I have with the Hall of Fame and Major League Baseball. I am going to talk about making a murderer. I am going to talk about tailgating at the Rose Bowl from about 7 o'clock in the morning till uh, just going on till all hours of the night. I'm going to talk about a ton of stuff. So again, sit back and relax. But first, as always, the Versi Effect podcast has to shout out the sponsors, and it's a new year, and I'm still happy to be working with GonzoFame.com. Go to GonzoFame.com for the best, most in-depth interviews with your favorite comedians of today. Uh, An amazing website run by a funny up-and-coming comedian, that Dave Gavry out there in uh, Chicago, probably doing a set right now for breakfast. The guy gets up a ton, very funny comic, and uh, he runs and does a great job with GonzoFame.com. Amazing comedians. It's an amazing um, place to just watch. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, to listen to. I mean, fuck. I said watch and listen to, and it was supposed to be read. Um, shit. Uh, just an amazing, amazing website to uh, read. Really awesome and, and detailed um, interviews. I did one, and uh, they do a really good job. So check out Gonzo Fame. And uh, if you're a comedy nerd, it's it's pretty much heaven for you. And you could just read on and on and on. So check out gonzofame.com. Also, All Things Comedy. Thank All Things Comedy for being the, uh, the, the home 
of TVE Podcast and also the label of my record, which I did it with All Things Records for the one, um, you know, um, Night at the Stand, uh, which is available uh, for purchase on iTunes, Amazon. You could get it on Spotify. You can get it on Google Now Play. You could get it on, um, uh, what's the other one there? To Bandcamp. And uh, you and I have the hard copies, which you could buy off of my website. Real quick, for anybody that was asking me, you can get the poster. People were saying, where can you get the poster? The posters and the hard copies are available on paulverzi.com. There is a merchandise page on there. Just click on there. It's um, $5 for the poster, $10 for the CD, and uh, I guess whatever, $14.95 or whatever it comes out to when you do it, when you you know, you know check out with both items. Uh, thank you guys for purchasing them. They're really doing well. They're, um, you know, I, I'm, and, and, and so anybody, if anybody uh, purchased it and did not get theirs yet, it was just because of the holidays and traveling, but all of the posters, I think there's only a handful that need to be sent out, but all of the posters that were purchased, all of the CDs that were purchased will all be out um, this week. So I would say by next week, you should have everything that you purchased. And for people that ask, just go to paulverzi.com and go to the merchandise page. All right, everybody, let's get into this. Um, real quick on Christmas, my Christmas was, was really cool. It was just almost too much shit for the kids though. Like me and my wife looked at each other. I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. It was actually so much that we had to bring stuff back. And save stuff for like birthdays. It was just like enough is enough. Like these kids don't need, you know, you just look around and you're like, what the fuck, man? They don't need all of this shit. But it was great. We did the, um, you know, we did the Christmas Eve with my family, uh, Christmas Day with her family. And, uh, and that was it. I got to get into this California thing for New Year's. So as you guys know, the Four Horsemen, myself, Lawhead, Bartnick and Burr um, were doing the show out there, uh, all opening for Bill at the um, Orpheum Theater in Los Angeles on New Year's Eve, which was fucking amazing. Thank you to all who came out. Oh, my God. 2,000 people each show, both sold out. 4,000 people on New Year's Eve, raring to go. I had an absolute blast. I had an absolute blast on that stage. I truly did. It was so cool because my wife was sitting on that stage and, um, you know, she was just watching us, you know, work and all that stuff. It was just really awesome. And another reason why, just so you guys know, that I didn't really do the the podcast was um, Burr and I did a podcast on his, his Thursday checking in on your shit that he did, which we had such a good time. And I also came out with a podcast with Bobby Kelly on the 29th. So I was also figuring like, fuck, man, I did Burr's podcast. I did Bobby's podcast, you know, and then Bill was like, well, why don't you just do because I was like, fuck, man, I got to get my podcast out. He's like, why don't you just do it in between shows on New Year's? And for some fucking dumb reason, that idea like stuck. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. I'll do that. 
Yeah, I'll do that when everybody's fucking there and there's a huge fucking entourage of friends and family that love us and people are walking around drinking and eating and excited to be backstage and on the theater. Yeah, that's when I'll fucking sit down and concentrate with my wife here, friends I haven't seen in a long time. That's when I'll do it. It was the dumbest thing. I just looked around. I was like, yeah, there's no fucking way I'm getting any work done here. So it just really never worked out. And then... I was like, fuck it, you know, I have some podcasts out, I'll just give them a, I'll give them a big one um, when I get back, so that's what I'm doing now, anyways, I don't need to explain myself to you fucking people, okay, no one's paying me for this shit, so I go to, um, I go out to California to do the, to do the show, my wife and I fly out on the 29th, Delta, first class, holy shit, shout out to Joe Gonzalez, Forget me the hookup at Delta. He actually made me sign up for the fucking Sky Miles. I never did this shit before. I used to just get on planes. And um, I decided... I was like... Uh, you know, I decided to go first class with my wife. Because my wife has been a fucking trooper, man. You know? Um, the wife of a comedian is, they say, is a saint. And they really are. They're absolute saints, man. The shit they put up with, the, the shit that they have to deal with, that the person that they love, the the husband and, and father of their children always has to leave sometimes and, and be away for chunks at a time. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy. And my wife never complains about it. My wife uh, understands, you know, what I'm trying to do and I'm making a living and I have to go out there and uh, perform and all that. And I was like, you know what? Let's go first class. You're coming with me to L.A. for New Year's. My wife is close with all my friends out there. Lawhead, Bartnick, uh, Burr, you know, and, and all my other friends. Uh, it's funny as I was actually thinking about it as a, as a New Yorker, an East Coast guy, somebody that, um, you know, I love East Coast and I, you know, I love doing stand-up in New York, which I think makes you the best and I think it's the best um, market in the world to become, you know, uh, really good at stand-up my closest friends and the majority of my friends are in California, are on the West Coast. So we go out there and I feel like it's basically, I feel like I'm at home just, you know, in better weather and uh, a lot of traffic and needing a car. <laughs> so we go out there and holy shit, Delta priority, Delta first class when you have to go over three hours might be the fucking most incredible shit I've ever seen. I've been in first class where it's just bigger leather seats and more leg room and they fucking give you a drink. And that's great. But but not only, not only do you get to board first, get off the plane first, all the fucking shit that comes with it. Not only do you get a fucking mimosa in your hand while people are lugging their shit to the back of the plane. Not only all those things. Delta Priority has the, their thing is like they have the beds and the first class is tilted to the side and there's a divider. They have all these cup holders. They have when, when, when it lays out to a bed, it makes it so your feet go in this little like compartment where you, you could just sprawl out. Oh my God, it's insane. Everyone has their own like 13 inch movie screen or 19 inch movie screen with like the most recent movies um, I don't, I can't even explain the comfort, like our vacation started when we boarded the fucking plane, that's how insane 
It was like, it was like, if I had to fly to fucking Australia or two days on this thing, it was insane. You get like a real hot breakfast meal, like real, like none of that fucking, like a real cooked breakfast. Um, my wife was just into the movies. At one point, I think I drank, I was drinking fucking mimosas and I just was like, you know what? It's early in the morning. I have to, uh, oh, I got a great story for you guys too, by the way. But I was like, I'm going to bed and just for, I probably sat up and hung out for like an hour and something drinking, chilling out. And then I slept for like three hours and it was, oh my God, it was an unbelievable experience. Then, um, oh, but check this out. So here, here's, here's a funny story, but I I wasn't wrong in this, but my wife was right. So it kind of, it kind of sucked for me. Here's what happened. I live in Northern Westchester County, right outside New York City, about an hour out of Manhattan. As you guys know, if you listen to the show and you've heard many times, or I'm sure you heard from my my friends and stuff, I I live in the country. I mean, I got deer out here. I have, um, you know, I have a lot of land in the front and back, and that's what I wanted. Um, But I'm also on a hill on a mountain. So when you get off the exit, off the main highway to come to my house, you have about a 10-minute drive around the water, around the reservoir, then you get to my hill and you got to go all the way up my hill. And when you think you're all the way up and it gets steep, you got to turn and keep going up. So bad weather is really tough to get up. Luckily, I've never had an issue because the plows are all over it here because you pretty much have to be or a lot of people are going to be stuck. So my wife says, check the weather. And it's, of course, it's been like fucking summer here. And then all of a sudden, the day we fly is supposed to be some like little hailing blizzard. So my wife says to me, my wife goes, look, <laughs> and any, any, any guy married is going to totally understand this. And any woman is going to go, yep, that's exactly what the fuck happens. So here's what happens. She says it's supposed to snow and hail starting at 11 o'clock through the morning. We have to fly at seven o'clock in the morning. Okay. Which means we need to be picked up pretty much from where we are and the snow. We pretty much got to be picked up around 4.30 in the morning. So she goes, why don't we just get a hotel near Kennedy Airport? We don't have to worry about it and this and that. And I'm like, no, we're going to be fine. Now, I have a show in Manhattan the night before. I go, we're going to be fine. Let's sleep in our bed. We'll pack. We'll be in our home. Car service comes to the house, picks us up in the front, takes us to the airport. We sit in the car. We relax. And that's what we're going to do. And she's like, all right, but just check the weather. So now in my defense, I checked the weather. And it says rain 36 degrees. So I'm calling her up and I'm like, babe, look, I don't think we're going to have an issue here. It says rain. I don't think it's going to be as bad as they say. I know that there's some fucking snowflakes here um, with the thing. But it says mixed in with rain and it doesn't seem like it's going to be freezing. But I said to her in a text, I go, but I'll, I'll let you know at 5 o'clock. Let's make our decision at 5 o'clock and see what we're going to do. So 5 o'clock, um, or around, I remember like 4.32, I looked at the clock. I look at the weather. Still says through the night, hour by hour, we should be good. Maybe just a little bit of freezing rain, but we should be good. I tell her that. She's like, fine. She goes, I just, she goes, I'm just worried the car's not going to get up the hill. I'm like, nah, it's a car service. They know this. That's what they do for a fucking living is they take people to the airport. We'll be fine. 
So I go down to the city. I do my set. Uh, I had a great time in the city. You know, it actually kind of was good to get that set in because I knew I wasn't going to be doing too much in L.A. except the two main shows at the at the theater. So it was nice to just get up on stage and feel that before I got on a plane. You know, I feel like I got some work in and all that. Get home. Get my shit together. All my stuff is packed, ready to go by midnight. I got four and a half hours to um, get some rest. I lay down. I'm ready to go. I look outside and I start hearing some hail. <laughs> and I start seeing a little bit of snow stick. Nothing bad, right? Fast forward, we get a call at like 2.40 in the morning from the guy. And he goes, listen, I'm going to be there a little early. There's bad weather. Um, so I might be there a little early. So my wife starts getting up. So we had to get up a little before three. My wife did. And I'm just laying in bed going, what the fuck is going on here? All right. Why the fuck are we getting up? I mean, we already had to wake up early. I want to enjoy this first class. I want to enjoy the flight. I want to spend time with my wife. I don't be sleeping on this fucking plane. So what happens is, um, long story fucking short, might be too late for that, but long story short, the guy calls us up, we could barely hear him because we don't have good reception, and he, he made it up half the hill, and it's like, I can't get up the hill, I can't get up the hill, now my wife's looking at me, fucking livid, I look outside, there's like an inch of snow and hail on the ground, sticking and it's kind of pouring snow, and we're already an hour away from the city, and it's fucking really bad outside, so we say, where are you, and the guy is literally probably a half a mile to three quarters, like a half a mile away down the fucking hill, and he says that he spun it around so he could get down, but he cannot go up another inch, and he's just pulled off to the side with his hazards on. So I look at my wife. My wife is looking at me with the look of, you motherfucker, I told you I might stab you. Don't talk to me all at the same time. And I know every man knows that look. It was just fucking. So I'm trying to make the best of it. Uh, she's calling me right now. Watch, I'm going to tell her I'm telling the story. Hold on. Hey, babe. Hey, I got, I'm telling a story right now on the podcast about uh, the snow when we had to get the car. What's going on? Okay. All right. All right, bye. All right. Yeah, she totally fucking ignored it. She goes, oh, okay. And then, yeah, she's just in fucking go mode now that she's back. That's why I'm glad she had a vacation. Anyways, so I'm like, look, he can't get up to hill. And she's like, where is he? And I was like... I was like, he's stuck. He's like halfway. He's halfway up. And she's like, we're halfway. And I was like, you know where it kind of turns? And she's like, that's halfway down. And I was like, I know. He's stuck. He can't move. And she's just looking at me. And I was like, just give me the bags. And I'll walk the bags. You know, you just walk behind me. And we got to walk in the snow. And I'm not going to lie. That uh, that didn't go over so well. She's just like, I can't believe this shit. And now, picture this. It's like 3.30 in the morning. We have a flight across country that we're supposed to be excited for. I live on top of a hill on a fucking mountain. And it's just pouring and blizzarding. Snow, hail, 
all kinds of shit sticking. It's white everywhere. And it's got that quiet. There was actually something cool about it. She didn't think so. So I have her bag, big bag. Like I didn't have, I didn't have my wife carry shit because I was already in the doghouse. But it wasn't my fucking fault because I checked the weather hour by hour and it said light rain, 36 fucking degrees all the way until we got down there. So I, that's what it was. But maybe since we're up here higher, I don't fucking know. It turned into this winter wonderland. So it's quiet, peaceful. Everybody's lights are off, obviously. There's not even really street lights. And I'm walking with snow pouring on us. And she's kind of like right there, kind of a little behind me. And I'm dragging these two big bags and my and I got my backpack on. So the only thing she's holding is her purse. And we just start walking and walking and walking. And it was probably total like 15, 20, 15 minute walk in the snow. Downhill, thank God. Not really deep. And you just finally in the distance, we saw the fucking car services lights with the hazards on. And I guess when he saw us, he got right out of the car, put the bags in the trunk. We sat down. And uh, right when we started to relax, this guy starts fucking flying. And like he's like fishtailing where me and her are like, I'm like, oh, dude, it's all right. We got time. And we did have time. And by the time we got out of our neighborhood and we got on the main highway, it was still a little slippery. But then like half hour later, we were in the clear with over two hours to spare. So it was fine, but not the best way to start a vacation with your wife is walking to the fucking car service in the snow because she tells you he's going to get stuck and you're like, he'll be fine. And the fucking guy gets stuck. And I'm literally telling her, no, they got fucking SUVs for this shit. They got fucking that now. What do you think? This is what they do, babe. This is what the fuck they do. They got, I'm thinking he's going to show up at a fucking tractor trailer and fucking uh, chains on the wheels to get us to the airport. This guy shows up in a Lincoln Town car that would have gotten stuck in a puddle on a rainy day when it was 80 degrees. I mean, it was ridiculous how how bad of a handle it was until we got out of the shit. But then we just got on the um, we got on the plane in the first class and we just looked at each other with drinks and it was like this is the shit. We had an absolutely great time on the flight um, on the flight out there. So, um, yeah, I was drinking like, like when you, when you go first class, you actually, I told my wife, I was like, I'm never going back. Like the, the minimum I'll do now after being treated like that is like either the exit row where you got more leg room or like business select or business class. I'm not doing fucking back of the plane anymore. Sitting next to somebody with their elbows in your gut and like, I'm not doing it anymore. I don't care. It's worth the money for you to be rested, for you to feel good, for you to not. I didn't even feel like I was traveling. I honestly, I didn't. You know, I didn't. I, I and I'm not trying to sound like some fucking prima donna, you know, pay money. You know, I'm not some fucking super rich guy that could afford to, you know, fly first class every single fucking time. But I'm telling you people right now, if you get an opportunity where it's like an extra hundred and fifty bucks or even 200 bucks, and they're like, oh, but there's a flatbed and a meal, I promise you, what you'll feel, what your body will feel, it's worth it, Um, it's fucking incredible, it's incredible the way you get treated, it almost made me mad at the airline for treating the people in the back like fucking dogs, I want to be like, those are people back there, that's how incredible it was, 
Um, and then we get to Los Angeles, and uh, we just had a great time the first night. Um, and then we did something really cool one night. We did. We went out with um, we went out with Burr and his wife, and they they took us to some some really cool places. And one place we went to was the um, we went to the Beverly Hills Hotel to this this cocktail lounge, which is unbelievable. And we did something crazy. They have a hundred year old cognac called uh, Louis the Thirteenth. Is it Louis the Thirteenth or Louis the Fifteenth? I think it's Louis the Thirteenth. And you could Google it and see. And it's supposedly this like insane, insane cognac. Um, I'm not going to even disclose what the price for two of them were. Because the, uh, you know, the ladies had some cocktails. Me and Bill had this cognac. And it was on a level that, put it this way, it was so expensive for two drinks, you wouldn't, here's how expensive it was for two drinks. You could fly round trip across the country for what the two drinks costed. Two drinks, each maybe a shot each, okay, that's how little, literally a splash, two splashes. So imagine going to the bar and ordering, like, let's just say for, you know, whatever. You, like, hypothetically, you just go into a bar and you say, yeah, give me a um, Johnny Walker Black on the Rocks, make it a double. Imagine if that cost what it costs to fly round trip across America. That's what these fucking two drinks costed. But we were like, fuck it, man. We got to do it. When do you get to drink? Put it, it was bottled 60 plus years before I was born. That's when it was bottled. When we ordered it, a team of people came over with it on a silver fucking platter. And one guy had to hold the base of it down to ensure that it would not, to just make sure it wouldn't spill. And then the guy pouring it had to precisely pour a perfect amount into the glass. I've never seen anything like it. It was like Secret Service had to come around this bottle to get it. And when you sip the drink, it gave you this, this flavor of like sweet, but then like flowery, but then like alcohol burn, but then like no burn and no... It was one of the weirdest, most insane things I've ever tasted. And then when it just goes down, it settles you in, right? You just get settled in and you just feel better, sharper. It was, it's the cocaine of booze. It was in fucking insane. It was insane how insane the taste was. Like I can't even... It was wild. And it was just some old school, just cool Hollywood shit that we did. And it was really nice. And, you know, we were just relaxing. There were no shows. And we just sat there and we enjoyed it. Um, Our wives had a cocktail. We sat there, did that, had good conversations. Then, of course, while we're having this nice time and we're dressed nice, we went to an amazing sushi dinner beforehand. And we're having this amazing night in California. Me and Burr start yelling at each other about Star Wars. It was one of the funniest things where our wives just looked at us like, what the fuck is going on? And he's going, he's going, what good compared to what? Compared to what? Good fellas? What do you mean good? And I'm like, dude, it was just fun. Can't you? He's like, I don't fucking like that. I, I get it, but it's like, what? You know what I mean? These people online and fucking costume. And I'm like, I know, dude. I'm just saying like it was part of my childhood. Can't it just be fucking good? 
you know? Why? Because the other ones stink, so this one has to be good. And it was, it was literally, it was literally borderline silly how we, the only thing that would have made it worse for our wives is if the Robinson Cano or, or Babe Ruth thing came up. We're like in this like legendary beautiful lounge having cocktails where like fucking Sinatra had cocktails and we're fighting about fucking, you know, how dumb Jedi was and it, it was just all kind I mean, it was, it was, it was hilarious and ridiculous all at the same time. And Bill's, Bill's funny at the end. He's like, I'm probably going to see it just to check it out. <laughs> um. All right, this brings me to the Rose Bowl here. All right, and don't get me... I know, I'm going to do the unacceptables, do your unacceptables, but I got to talk about the Rose Bowl. I got to talk about making a murderer. I got some sports stuff. Um, got to talk about being sober now for a while. That's that's I'm on that new shit. Bunch of stuff, bunch of stuff. We're going to take it in stride here. Sit back, relax, everybody. Uh, we're just beginning here. Episode 240. Uh, TVE, back... Back at full strength. Um, so the tailgate, the big reason why I went out there is because we go to the Rose Bowl. Oh, well, I should say those guys, all my buddies out there go to the Rose Bowl. This was their eighth year in a row, I believe. Seventh or eighth, but I think eighth. I've been to eight straight Rose Bowls. And um, it's just, I, it, I didn't realize how big and serious these guys took it until I got out there a couple days before and saw the preparation getting the meat from the butcher and, 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 you know, just preparing, I mean, like the ice and the, like, I mean, getting crazy with the big blocks of ice and making sure the bottles and, you know, um, they, they, they do a bunch of different things. So anyway, we get, we, we start to prepare for the, um, Rose Bowl. We do the, we do the show at the Orpheum. And again, it was really, really nice to have all of our all of our wives, uh, Jason's uh, uh, girlfriend was there with her mother. My wife was there. Bartnick's wife was there. Burr's wife was there. We had friends there. Um, Jack Murray was there, who makes the Bloody Marys for the Rose Bowl, and uh, a friend of ours. I got to get into that because that guy changed changed the game with that drink for me. Because I'm I'm not a fucking tomato based guy. I'll get into all that. Joe Gonzalez was there. A uh, friend of ours um, and uh, a guy who was very, very scared that the New York Giants were going to beat his fucking Panthers, which they should have done. Oh, my God. 28 unanswered points. Don't get me started. Tom Coughlin. Jeez. All right. But that's a, that's a, that's, I, I'm going, I, I digress. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me get back to the, uh, let me get back to the point at hand here. So. Anyway, the Rose Bowl goes great. We all behave ourselves at the Rose Bowl. I mean, um, I'm sorry, at the show, uh, the, the, the Orpheum. Don't drink much. Do a little champagne toast. You know, all that stuff. I go back to Bartnick's, which is near, right near Pasadena. And my wife and Bartnick's wife were going to go to the Parade of Roses because my wife's grandmother used to go. And she was like, I'd love to go see the parade and all the floats or whatever are, are made of something either organic or roses. And we're there. So my wife is like, I'm going to do that. Um, Bartnick's wife was a sweetheart to, to entertain my wife while we fucking tailgated for, you know, 18 hours or whatever it was. But uh, so we go back to Bartnick's the night before. I have like one beer. 
His wife made chicken tacos at like one in the morning and they were fucking insane. This is one thing I got to give California, the burritos and tacos and any kind of food out there. And they have all those like the Mexican grocery stores where you could get all the shit from and make authentic shit. Unbelievable food. But my wife looked at me and she just gave me the look like, why would you go to bed at three in the morning if you have to be up at 530? Why don't you just go now? And the smartest thing we did is about two o'clock in the morning, I was like, you know what, guys? I'm bowing out of this. There's no reason for me to be drinking. We had to be up for the tailgate at 6 a.m., get to where we need to be and settled in before 7 and just start drinking. So we go to bed. It's great. I wake up not hungover after New Year's Eve doing two shows with my dear friends. My wife is there. I felt like I had an amazing time on stage both times. And I fucking was pretty much sober, held it together because I wanted to enjoy this Rose Bowl. We all pack in two cars and go out to the Rose Bowl, uh, the tailgate. We settle in, we park, we get an amazing spot, not far from the stadium. They said it was closer. Now, this is my first Rose Bowl. So you guys have heard of all the tailgate, the Rose Bowl tailgate legend, Lawhead and Bartnick and all this shit. And... um. But, I mean, there was a football to throw around. There was a tent. We had the grills. We had the meats. Lawhead makes these insane egg sandwiches for everybody that he put lean bison on and this chipotle sauce and these eggs. And I swear to God, it was one of the most delicious egg sandwiches I've ever had in my fucking life. We were going nuts. Now, there's a tradition that these guys do the past few years is Jack Murray. Shout out to Jack. I told Jack I was going to talk about this because, um, you know, Jack and I know and Jack, by the way, thank you for listening to the show. I didn't even know you listened to the show the way you listened to the show. So these guys drink Bloody Marys that Jack makes. He just has all this shit lined up on the in the, you know, in the truck with the, the sauce and the olives and the fucking celery and all this stuff. Right. It looks like a fucking salad, pepperoncinis, all this shit. Now, I am not nor was I ever a Bloody Mary guy. As a matter of fact, I was an anti-Bloody Mary guy. I kind of still am, unless it's Jack's at the Rose Bowl, and I could tell. I've tried, people. I've went to places that were like, oh, that's the best Bloody Mary. Oh, that's the best Bloody Mary. No. All right, it's fucking tomato sauce with whatever. I don't like it. It doesn't taste good to me. If I'm going to drink an alcoholic beverage, I want it to be something that's fucking taste like something other than fucking tomato soup or, or whatever, iced tomato soup, whatever. So I was like, but I'm not breaking this. You know, I, I'm, everyone's got to try one at this thing. He gives me a cup of it. He made it, and you could tell he was making it with care and love. He wanted to make sure they were all pretty much the same. You know, I like a little spice. He gives me this fucking thing. I sip it, and I was like, what the fuck? Game changer changer people he changed the game of a bloody mary it was just like it was like it was like amazing i don't even know it had like this kick to it but it had like this horse red it was so good and i was like man i could do that i could do that i was actually thinking about having two of them i think i did i think i had like one and a half and then i started to get full and i want to get too full so i started you know and then that's when we started going to like beer and doing shots. I held it together. Because I'm not going to lie. Three hours into the tailgate. These guys started dropping like flies. It was like getting bit by a zombie. 
You just look over, another guy's in a chair with his mouth open, one guy's in a chair with his head down, another guy's in his chair, he's acting like he's looking at his phone, he falls asleep. I was like, is, is fucking a hacky joke? Is Bill Cosby back there making a drink? No, I swear to God, it was like, it, it, was, it was funny because nobody paced himself. And I heard the whole time, I heard I was like, man... You know, you're going to be drunk. You're not even going to remember the game. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. This is my first Rose Bowl. I'm with my friends. I was throwing the football around. I was sipping my drink. Even Jack and a couple other people came up to me and they were like, dude, you're doing this like a champ right now. I had a great steady buzz the whole time, but totally coherent, never drunk, drunk, just in it. And then when we went into the game, I bet on the game. I bet on Stanford. And I actually called it. I said, this number five on Stanford who got robbed out of the Heisman is going to fucking go off today and they're going to win the game. And I was 100% right. And I won some money on it. And that's, I started drinking at the game. And I got drunk probably at the game. I have an amazingly funny story for you guys about this shit. Um, I was crying. I'm going to try to get through this without crying. I, I think I can because I've already cried laughing about it so much. But... So anyway, let me go back to the tailgate. So the, we, they made ribs and they made brisket and they made um, chicken, which was all amazing. All right, uh, Lawhead cooked. Lawhead does the cooking and, and he did a great job. And, you know, then it comes time where, you know, it's like, oh, fuck, should we do another shot, go into the game? And it just, you know, we saw, oh, man, we saw the stealth bomber fly over the stadium. It's one of the sickest things i ever seen, that triangle thing. It was dead. It looked it was insane. And then you got fireworks are going off and everybody's lined up. And we're like, all right, let's get into the game. So we get into the game. We started watching. That's when I started kind of drinking some beers and I started really, you know, catching a catching a nice one. Um, so what they do is this year, to be more prepared, they were like, look, we're, 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 um, we did it once and everybody said it was a great idea. We're going to do it again. We got a, a little charcoal. We're going to make a fire. And so they made this big bonfire. After the game. So we all file out. I was happy I won my bet. You know, it's obviously now pitch black, dark, a little colder. Everybody's leaving. And this really happened. And this is one of the funniest things ever. My buddy Sean Quinn was there. Now, Sean, Sean is, is, was on the show long, long time ago. If you go back, you can listen to me and Sean. Sean, I met at the Vegas Festival in 2003. I've known Sean pretty much longer than all these guys. Sean was my first friend out in California um, ever that I ever hung out with and anything like that. And uh, Bill met Sean, knew that Sean was close with me, and then Lawhead and Sean have now developed a relationship out there where they're really good friends. And Bill was like, hey, dude, I got an extra ticket for the Rose Bowl. Do you want to come? Sean was like, yes. So me and Sean were having these great conversations during the tailgate. I'm so happy you could share this. I'm so happy, you know, you got hooked up with my friends. And and now we're all like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like I come out to L.A. and chill with you. Now everybody's together. It was just awesome. And he's like, man, this is amazing. Sean is a super sweetheart of a guy, right? Just got engaged. Congratulations to Sean. Uh, tough kid from Philly. You know, baller. He uh, plays, you know, he's just an athletic kid. Um, I call him kid. He's older than me. But anyway, I'm just setting this up because this shit is fucking hilarious. So, so we go back. We're drinking beers. You know, we're smoking some, but I smoked this weed called Skywalker. And um, it was awesome. But I just love how it's like fucking Star Wars is out. So they just make up names, you know. 
they're gonna there's gonna be a new strand out like yo it's called making a murderer man it fucking changes you you know all that shit when when weed comes out they just make <laughs> yo that's called hunger games and shit because you get hungry but you want to fight kids <laughs> it's just so ridiculous so anyway we're sitting by this fire all right we're grabbing beers out of the cooler. Everybody's filing out. We're just waiting for no traffic. And we basically start having a great tailgate again at night with this fire. Now, as you know, Iowa got the shit kicked out of them in the game bad. I think it was 40, 45 to 16 or something like that. It was not even, it was just an absolute joke of a game. <laughs> oh my God, this is so funny. So here's what happens. These two guys from Iowa, one guy is acting like a tough guy, kind of big beard, wool hat on, he's walking by, and he just goes, oh, fire, that's got to be illegal, or he said something about illegal, and one of us nine people, it wasn't me, might have been, I don't know, but somebody just goes, ah, keep walking, faggot, right, <laughs> so, now, I don't hear this, because I'm, I'm probably having a sports argument with either Lawhead, or Burr, or Bartnick, or we're just sitting there, talking, and all of a sudden, I see this dude, and nobody else sees this, but he starts walking, and I see this dude turn around, and there's there's like nine of us in like a camp around this fire. And I, I honestly, like, the, the, I don't even necessarily know like who said it. It might have been a joke, but just the word, some some faggot, I had no idea, I didn't, and I didn't even hear it. I, I heard it through the guy. I just see this guy walking past us, and he just starts sprinting towards our camp, towards the fire. And nobody else sees this shit. It was like in a Bronx tale where fucking uh, the, the, the sea character, Collodro, saw the guy's face not smiling, walking to fuck towards Sonny. And I get up and I start kind of running towards him with my hand up, like almost like at his chest. Whoa, 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 stop. What's up, what's up? Who the fuck said that? How could you say that? You fucking called me, you faggot, blah, And I was like, dude, dude, calm down. And like he starts back up. I'm like, dude, relax. So somebody else yells something. And I'm, now I'm, I'm, I'm drunk and a little high, but not to a point. Like I'm at a very peaceful, easy, I just had a good day. I'm really relaxed right now, like, and, and, you know, normally somebody comes at me and my friends, you know, I want to be like, dude, get the fuck out of here before I, I, I was just like, dude, dude, and there was only two of them and nine of us, and his friend, I could tell, wanted no part of this, so it was basically this one fucking hothead yelling over it, and I just, I go, dude, dude, relax, he goes, no, no, who the fuck says that, man, fuck it, why would somebody say that, why would somebody call me that, and I'm like, dude, you're walking by nine guys drinking all day. And you made a, it's just a comment, dude, just keep walking, it's easy, man, it's a good night, just keep walking, and like, I'm being that guy, I'm that fucking guy, and I'm, 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 I'm never like, not like that guy to the whole opposite end of the spectrum, but I'm never that fucking guy, I'm never like, no, dude, it's easy, and I'm being this fucking voice of reason, right, and now, I think a couple of dudes, like like Burr, Burr saw me talking to him, and a couple other dudes saw, so they wanted to make sure that I wasn't in trouble, so they just kind of get up like, dude, whatever, but here's the problem this guy was doing, every time I would back the guy off and go, dude, just go, just walk, it's fine, man, just, it's easy, just dude, you're walking by a, but why would somebody say that, don't talk shit to me, you know who the fuck you're fucking with, these people don't, I go, dude, I go, it's nine guys drinking, just keep walking, and then when he would put his head down and start walking, he would yell something, 
which made some of my friends get pissed. Like, why you keep turning? Like, he would do that thing where he would start leaving and then just be like, yeah, that's what the fuck, yeah, you, you don't know what the fuck. And then my, my friends were like, fuck this and that. Dude, all of a sudden, though, we start walking back and it's like a little bit of talking and somebody's like, well, stop saying something then. Or I think Burr or somebody was just like, dude, stop acting like you're leaving and, you, and then saying that last thing. Stop trying to get the last word. And dude, all of a sudden, we hear a bottle smash. <laughs> a bottle smash. And I look up and fucking Sean smashed the bottle and just starts walking to the kids. Right? Zero intention of doing anything. If you knew Sean, you would realize how fucking funny this is. He's just such a loyal, amazing friend. <laughs> He's such a loyal, amazing friend that he just fucking, he didn't even, like, he didn't even fully make it over. And, and he's like, dude, just get out of here. Let's just get out of here. And fucking, we all just like, the guy left and Sean walks back and we were like, dude, and he goes, I'm, I'm sorry, dude. He just goes, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I always wanted to do that. And we just start bursting out laughing. And the funniest part is he didn't even do it right. Burr goes, I love, Burr called it out. I saw it. And before I could say it, Burr said it. And we were crying. He goes, dude, you didn't even have any bottle in your hand. It was just like the nozzle. He smashed so much bottle that he literally had like the cap. <laughs> he had like the cap and maybe two inches. Like he, he had nothing. <laughs> Like, that's why the smash was so loud. Like, first of all, you're supposed to do it at, like, the bottom of the bottle. So there's, like, sharp edges and, like, you could threaten like that. Sean just fucking takes this thing by the nozzle, slams it down as hard as he fucking can, and just starts walking with no intention. Like, And, and trust me when I tell you, there was no... He even walked back. He goes, I wasn't going to do anything. He goes, I just always wanted to do that, and I wanted this shit to stop. And he's just such a loyal friend. He was so fucking happy he's there. And we were crying of laughter. I literally, for two days later, thought of how little of the bottle he had in his hand. I think his hand was like bleeding. <laughs> he had so little of the bottle in his hand that it, it was just all for like this effect. One of the funniest things. I will never forget it. It will make me laugh forever. Um... And then we ended up just leaving and that's how the night, that's how the night ended. But oh my God, was that so fucking funny. But what an amazing experience. Um, excuse me, I'll sip my water here. What an amazing experience to start tailgating at seven o'clock in the morning for a two o'clock game. Getting in at two, drinking some beers there, winning my bet. Holding it together all day really. Um, and then just going back. And then we got back to Bartnick's house, called an Uber. My wife and I had our bags at Bill's. We went back to Bill's, and uh, me and Bill started, like, sitting up, like, and we tried watching, like, a football life. And I got through half of one, and then I was like, oh, yeah, it was a Steve Largent one. And, like, 10 minutes in, I was like, dude, I got to go to bed. And I looked at the clock, 11 o'clock at night. I was just absolutely done. Done. Passed out. And uh, And that was pretty much it. Um, so I have an announcement that, uh, I was, um, sticking with my going sober. So what I wanted to do was go six months, but I made a, a deal that I was just gonna totally like, you know, go on the diet, no booze, no, 
I don't know about no edibles. I don't think I'm going to smoke weed. I might do one. If I feel like I need to do an edible, like just to relax or something, maybe. But I will not touch a drink of alcohol for 90 days. I'm on day five right now. Or tomorrow will be day five. So I got 85 days left, and I am uh, really going to try to stick to that. I, I don't want to do that. I want to actually just keep going um, and get booze out of my life for a while. Um, you know, people always hear that. They're like, oh, man, did you have a problem? No, I didn't have a problem. I was going hard, you know. It's a hard, it's a hard career to, it's a hard lifestyle to not, to not drink. Cause even one or two drinks, man, every night or every show I should say. And, and I don't like doing that. And then there are shows where I don't drink at all, but then, you know, with the, with the Rose Bowl and the New Year's and the, and all kinds of stuff and the holidays and family and people coming over. Oh, a bottle of wine for you. Oh yeah. I never been to your house. Here's a bottle of wine. Let's drink it together. All that shit just adds up. And it just got to the point where I was like, let's see how in shape I can get. And let's see how good and productive I could be if I just don't do any of this shit. If I just stop it for a while. And that's that's what I'm going to do. So uh, a lot of you guys reached out to me because we talked about it on Burr's podcast. and reached out with encouragement. Um, I really appreciate that. I Like I said, I mean, I'm not a guy that like has, can't stop when he starts. You know, I mean, if I'm having a good time with my friends, obviously I don't want the party to end. But I'm definitely a guy who could have a couple and stop drinking. Know I have to drive and all that stuff. So... Um, I mean, by no means do I think, oh, this is a problem and I needed to go to fucking rehab if I didn't do this. No, it's not like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not an alcoholic. It's, it really is, isn't like that. This is just something where it's like, I'm taking control without any kind of like anybody going, Hey man, you know, a lot of things coming up and there's been a lot of drinking. You might want to, I'm just like, you know what? I'm fucking going to wait. I'm just done, man. I'm just done. I feel amazing sober. I do. I feel amazing sober. I'm more productive sober. Um, I feel better, man. Life is f- more fun, and uh, I don't need that shit. I don't need that shit right now. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to fucking go the, uh, you know, go the clean. I'm just trying to really fucking. I don't know. Maybe I watched UFC too much or boxing, and I'm like, I want a fucking body. I just want to lose fucking 15 pounds, and and go go back to playing ball and running and just get my shit together. And that's what I'm gonna do. So here's my unacceptable for the week. My unacceptable for the week is anybody who fucking talks down at somebody and tries to make somebody feel bad for not drinking and trying to fucking live a healthier lifestyle. Um, I read something somebody wrote on Facebook about, uh, and I posted it, and um, thank you to the people that, that uh, my friends out there in Canada, um, human person, you know who you are, um, and it said like... Um, it said, "Here's what I learned not drinking for two years," and you could find it on you could find it on Facebook. I think it's on my my home Facebook page. You have to scroll down a little bit, but and it basically was this guy who hasn't drank in two years. He lost a shitload of weight. Looks like a completely different person. All right, and he was listing a lot of the things that he's learned uh, about being productive, about what friends say, about living life like that, and like. One thing really touched me when he said it, and he he wrote actual things people said to him, and one girl said, I can't date you because I can't date somebody that I can't have fun with, but the one that really got me was when somebody said, you're not fun without drinking, or like, you you, you were way more fun without drinking, I like you better and stuff like that, or you were fun, and I gotta tell you, saying that to somebody is a really fucking is a really kind of selfish, mean-spirited thing to say to somebody. And I've had somebody say that to me. I mean, I had family members joke with me, like, man, you used to be so... It's like, yeah, I used to be... 
I love when people say that. It's like, yeah, it used to be more fun. I was fucking hammered. Of course I'd be more fun. I said shit I shouldn't have said. You know, I, I, like, I love how people say that. I got to actually do a bit about this. But people are like, you were more fun when you drank. It's like, of course I was more fun when I drank. Because I was a fucking shot away from pulling my dick out at every fucking event. Of course I was more fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm quicker to say something I don't want to say. I'll do something stupid. You know, you're going to be more entertaining when you're fucking shit-faced. Yeah, that's, it's so ridiculous to me. That's like being like, you were way faster when you ran. Yeah, I know, because I'm fucking running. Uh, you know, but it is mean, and I think it's unacceptable because it makes somebody feel bad, and it makes them feel like they're not a fun person anymore, and it makes them feel like the person that they're trying to be, the better person that they're trying to be, isn't really fucking good enough or, like, is, like, you know, just, like, I don't know, just using it as a crutch. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's just weird to me. So if you see somebody that's trying to do something good, man, just fucking be like, cool, man, you know? It's not like I'm telling out nobody to drink. Drink around me. I don't care. I, I want you to drink around me and have a good time. I personally don't drink around people that don't drink just because I don't want them to feel that way. You know, but like that that's not that's because of me. That's nothing that they're doing. Like, I'll fuck, you know. I'll go fucking get a Diet Coke and go to a movie or I'll, I'll you know, drink some, you know, seltzer and have a sports argument. I'll get a coffee and smoke a stick. I'm fine. It's just like don't tell people that. So... Um, when I read that, it was like, wow, man, people are really saying it. And it really comes down to their own insecurities. It, it actually comes down to their own lack of discipline. That's really what it comes down to because these fucking people can't do it. They don't have the heart to do it. You try taking something that, like, you do a lot and just say you're not going to do it for your well-being and try to fucking stick to it and see what happens. People know they don't have the discipline, so they got to shit on other people. So that's my unacceptable for the week. But let's get to your guys' unacceptables. A lot more show, everybody. We're going to take this probably right up until um, 90 minutes. So here we go. This one is from, oh, God, you guys with these long ones. Keep, guys, guys got to keep them short, man. You got to keep them a little shorter than the long ones, all right? But here we go. It's New Year's. I take. I took a long time getting this one out, so whatever. This one is from John Ray. Hey, Paul, hope you had a good holiday week. Uh, somewhat long, unacceptable, but I promise it's worth it. I'll get right to it. On New Year's Eve, I was out at a bar with a couple of friends of mine. I had gotten uh, off of work at around 10 p.m., so needless to say, I had some catching up to do, so I did quick. Next thing you know, I'm trying to hit on a group of beautiful young women at the bar and it's working surprisingly well. I invite my friends over and we all seem to be hitting it off with these chicks. Awesome, right? Wrong. Before we, <laughs> before we all get too wasted, one of the girls grabbed me by the shirt and said, I'm, I'm going to be up front with you. Tonight I want to bring you home later and fuck your brains out. What? Uh, I was obviously pretty fucking stoked and pointed out that we didn't need to wait till later. Wow. Jesus. The fuck kind of... That's fucking nuts, dude. That's somebody's daughter. Uh, but whatever. I don't want to fucking turn this into a creepy dad special. <laughs> like, I want to fuck your brains out. Everybody's all psyched. And I'm like, oh, come on, man. She's probably got church in the morning. Uh... <laughs> Um, I mentioned that we could go leave now, and she told me that uh, she was all for that. 
She calls a cab service on the phone, but we are told we will have to wait an hour as they are pretty damn busy. No problem. We order some more drinks and continue to hit it off um, Well, while we, uh, while we wait for the cab. Okay. Fast forward another two hours. The cab picks us up. The driver was clearly irritated with us as we were drunk, and he said, don't puke in the fucking cab. I was late, 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 because... Um, I was late because I oh he had to I was late because I had to clean up the last guy's puke. Fair enough. The chick slurs out her address. He drops us off. She couldn't find her keys, but, but told me it's fine because the back door is always unlocked. No big deal. This is a small town, Wisconsin. Uh, crime is minimal. All right. Um, we get inside and she has a hard time finding her room. That's when I realize she's more trash than I originally thought. We finally get into the dark room, hop on her bed, and make out. She takes uh, off our belts and suggests she ties me to the bed. Holy shit, man. Uh, I was a little worried, but said, fuck it. Just don't put anything up my ass. <laughs> Dude, you fucking Wisconsin guys are fucking hilarious. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> this is a great way to kick off the new year with an unacceptable. I said, fuck it. Just don't put anything up my ass. She ties me down. <laughs> Dude, this is a first meeting. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Just don't put anything up my ass, sweetheart. All right, tie, tie away. She ties me down and just my eyes adjust <laughs> to the darkness. I see a giant Aaron Rodgers fathead poster on her wall. Then I <laughs> then I hear commotion outside the door moments before it swings open. Some dude turns a light on and screams, What the fuck? What? The chick on top of me looks around confused and realizes that this isn't her room. Not even her house? What? Oh, my God. I tied down. Uh, I'm tied down to some random guy's bed with my cock out <laughs> and with a wasted chick on top of me. Oh, my God, dude. What? Oh, this is an instant classic. This is a fucking instant classic. I feared he would call the cops, but instead he called his roommate in. Fucking fantastic. I kept screaming at the chick <laughs> to untie me, but she was so amused by all this attention that she kind of froze up and thought it was funny. Yeah, it's so cute and hilarious, sweetheart. Fucking untie me. Three guys are in the room now laughing and taking pictures of us until the girl finally unties me. I don't even put all my clothes back on. I just grabbed my shit and bailed. I'm hoping that pictures of me naked and tied to a bed don't surface on social media. What an absolute fucking shit show. Drunken behavior in this fashion is unacceptable. Lock the drunken animals, uh, myself included, up. Love the show, John Ray. Here we go. It doesn't get better than that. It doesn't get better than that. That is... That might have slid into number one, everybody. This guy on New Year's Eve meets a chick. Oh, my God. Says she's going to fuck him. They, 
hammered. She she fucking can't find her room. Staggers in, gets into the wrong fucking house, goes into another bedroom. Oh my god, dude, are you sure she didn't know those guys? Like that is fucking nuts. Awesome, unacceptable. Thank you so much. What a way to start the year. Um, Jessica Russell says, "Hey Paul, uh, you read one of my unacceptables once, and I saw you live in Toronto, and would love, love, love to have one of your signed posters. Where do I buy one? I keep missing when you mention it on TVE. Well, Jessica, go to paulverzi.com, go to the merch page. You could get everything right there. Check out of it, and I will send it over to you. Thank you so much for um, for the support. Okay, here we go." There we go. This is from, uh, it says Husky OTR. Oh, okay. This is AJ Lesher from, oh, yeah, Indy. I remember AJ. Okay. Hey, Paul, here is my first unacceptable 2016. Sorry for uh, it being a long one, but I wanted, you know what I might have to do, everybody? Because I don't think I'm going to get through this. We'll see where we're at, but um, if I don't get through this in an hour and a half, I'm going to do two parts. And I'll just put out fucking both parts today. So I'll just fucking give you guys a sick dose. Because I'm not going to rush through this shit. Um, We'll see though. Got a half hour. I don't know if we're going to get to it. So I'm just going to put out two of them. The next one might only be, you know, the next one might only be whatever, a half hour or 40 minutes. But we'll see. All right, hey, Paul, here's my first unaccepted for 2016. Sorry for it being a long one. But I wanted to get your take on it. So I'm out, uh... I'm out of town working in Lima, Ohio. I have off today due to being um, due to it being New Year's, so I figured I'd go wander around the mall and do some impulse shopping uh, out of boredom instead of staying in my hotel room all day. In um, in 20 degrees out, uh, it's 20 degrees out, and stupid me only had a hoodie to wear, so I'm a little cold going into the mall, uh, hood up, but just over my ears. I walk around for about 10 minutes when uh, when, a, when a what looked like, okay, when what looked like a 70-year-old mall cop yells at me uh, from his uh, kiosk uh, and with an attitude says, take your hood down. Me, being the guy I am, not sure if I heard him right or even if it was directed towards me since I'm 35 years uh, year old guy with gray hair <laughs> in my beard I then say me and he snapped yes you take your hood down or get out of the mall I then stop walk over to the kiosk and say are you seriously threatening to kick a 30 year old man out of the mall because his hood is covering his ears because it's a little cold is there a dress code and can I see it All right, so you're playing the game with them here. He then says, you don't need to see a dress code. You just have to do what I say. So now the gloves are off. I said, hey, buddy, I'm here to spend money. This isn't high school, uh, nor am I a teenage thug. Uh, I'm a little on the cold side right now since it's 20 degrees out, and I just came in the mall. Uh, What is the reason you want me to put the hood down? Uh, Okay. He responds with, it's a security risk. I said, how is my hood being up over my ears a security risk? He then says, you can hide your face. I return with, my beard covers my face. 
Do I need to go home and shave to come to this mall? Uh, <laughs> then said, listen, you got an up-close look at my face. I'll be walking around doing some shopping. If something happens, you'll know <laughs> who to look for. I didn't come here to be harassed or to be uncomfortable. And I walk away. Then, less than five minutes later, an ununiformed police officer with old mall cop trailing him approached me and says, we need, what? We need to ask you to leave the, the mall premises. What the fuck? I asked why, and he said, the security officer said, you are being disruptive. I said, seriously, how so? His only response is, we need you to leave the mall, sir. Don't make this harder than it needs to be. At that point, I realized people are looking at us. One kid has his phone out waiting for the world, oh, okay, waiting for a world star moment. And since Ohio police seem to have an issue shooting innocent people, even though I'm not, um, even though I'm not of color, I took uh, the high road and left. Well, as, wow, that's crazy, dude. That really is fucking crazy. Well, I was escorted by both of them uh, out of the mall. Once I got, uh, hold on, I'm sorry, this fucking lighting on this thing, and I'm looking at it sideways. Once I got to the door, I looked at both of them and said, you are both power-trippy nerds <laughs> who were probably bullied in high school, which for you, father time was ages ago. <laughs> so... I kind of understand where you're coming from because I used to be picked on. But your actions today are unacceptable, and I plan on filing a complaint with this mall and your police department. I'm a 35-year-old man that makes good money, and I'm a law-abiding citizen that has never been as much as pulled over, let alone kicked out of any establishment. Happy New Year. Wow. Uh, now, I was, now, was I out of line for not putting my hood down, even though the mall guard uh, wouldn't slash couldn't show me a dress code, or um, or was or where was he out of line? Okay, I think you I think one word too many there. Was he out of line? My hoodie was a plain navy blue American Apparel one, similar to the one you wore with the white zipper uh, and drawstring only. Okay, darker. Uh, it's not like it was an off offensive in any way. Congrats on the CD. Uh, good. Okay. Uh, you're 2015 and good luck. At, okay, can't wait to see you come back to Indy. I got the picture. Oh, yeah. I got a picture with you, Burr and Bartnick on the tour. Oh, and I see the picture. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I remember that. That's awesome. That's an awesome pick too, man. Um, Here's what I would say to that. I would say... You did the right thing. You were like, I mean, you're walking around with a normal hoodie and you just had it over your ears. That seems to me like an old man who's kind of trying to fucking be a little John Wayne because of the sensitive uh, way that things are right now. And I think that uh, since nothing happens in that mall or since it just seems like they were just trying to fucking have something happen or feel a certain way about it. So, you know. I just feel like, oh, man, here we go. It's uh, sensitive times. This guy's walking in a hood. I'm an old man. You know, my biggest fucking thing here is to, you know, nothing goes on here. Let me, let me figure it out. You know, let me figure out something I could do to make, you know, make me feel like I'm something. Then he called the cops and said this and that. That just sounds like that guy needed to do that. I don't know why, but it's just fucking weird. So, um, anyways, yeah, that's, I, I don't think you were out of line at all. 
I thought you actually handled it very, very well. I think other people would have handled it worse and probably gotten fucking shot or tased because people are bored. Um, this one is from Logan Allen. Hey, Paul, I had an uh, absolute great time at Riverside in Milwaukee during your run through the Midwest. Thank you so much for a great set and continually bringing the heat each week on TV. Well, thank you. Anyway, I have a quick unacceptable for you. I recently was in the market for a new PC. Before I purchased one, I typed into Google um, measuring processor uh, measuring processor speed uh, to um, reduce, deduce ways of accurately measuring the speed of computers on the market. The hold on here. The first result I received was for seniors: how to choose computer processing speed and memory. Are we as people also smart and jaded that what I typed um, is in worthy of a backhanded jab? That's funny. Uh, they could have moved the nugget of positivity down at least um, the number five result. Uh, I am not a senior, nor do I need uh, <laughs> a comatose walk through that. I'm sure they were trying to provide for me. I have a quick recommendation for you. Uh, if you enjoyed The Staircase as much as I did, check out Making a Murder on Netflix. Yep, uh, it uh, it's as exhilarating and provides an awesome courtroom. Authentic, yes, it's crime. Yes, it, it does. I saw it. Um, it is aesthetic into... What makes crime documentaries so excellent? Uh, keep doing what you're doing. I hope to see you 2016. Happy New Year, Logan. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't know why your Google search said for seniors, but I, I got to be honest with you. I think that I do. I don't even think it was backhanded. I actually think that since seniors don't know shit, they just type that in and, and it just comes up with that. That's what I think. I don't think they were like, you know, who the fuck doesn't know that? I don't think they're assuming everybody is a is a nerd and they're fucking with people. But uh, thank you for the um, submission, and I uh, I watched uh, Making a Murderer, and um, I'm going to talk about it at the end of the show. Here we go. Next one is from Terry Stevenson. Hey, Paul, at the grocery store buying some odds and ends. Okay, ton uh, tonic for the wife. I said it. One of those trips where I am just grabbing a few things and ending up with an armload of shit. So I step up to the checkout. Of course, there is five of us waiting in the only open checkout uh, like a fucking Russian bread line. Not that I am too pissed about it. It's just how shit is, okay? The lady getting uh, checked out is getting her shit scanned and fucking questions practically everything going over the conveyor belt. Of course, this adds to the burning in my fucking arms now because I'm holding all this shit. I'm third in line. The cashier scans the turkey she had sliced at the deli. Hold on. I didn't know that was on sale, says the walking ward. <laughs> uh, yeah, some of the deli meats are on sale, says the checker trying to get us out. Wait for it. Uh, in that case, I would like another quarter pound. Yes, one-fourth of a goddamn pound to be added to what looked like a small cat worth uh, she had already in the bag. The cashier takes a second, stunned look, sends the kid bagging to get more. Even he sort of pauses like, uh, am I getting punked? The fucking deli section is like 30 yards away. I watched this kid run a post pattern to the deli 
which, by the way, is helping three people also waiting. I can see him negotiating with the deli person. Kind of felt bad for him. And, yes, those people were pissed. Hands in the air like somebody just made a 50-yarder. A 50 uh, the rest of us are fucking shell-shocked. I cannot speak because my arms are full of shit and my jaw is <laughs> crawling around the floor. Uh, crawling around on the floor. Uh, under normal circumstances, I would say something, but this was so far from the fuck out there. <laughs> so far the fuck out there. Speechless. I started kind of laughing to myself as others did. Like, is this fucking happening? This monster <laughs> made zero eye contact with all of us. With any of us. Not even a fuck my bad, sorry to hold you up, or my daughter's in labor in the car. <laughs> <laughs> car, or I have only three minutes to live, uh, and a <laughs> rounded up three pounds of turkey is the only cure, or fuck you, I was here first, and if you don't like it, I will fucking eat your soul, any answer I, w <laughs> I would have accepted, I timed it, nine minutes, it was special sliced, and apparently this, uh, slicer needed to be gassed up or some shit what the fuck so five people each waited an extra nine minutes this fucking douche nozzle consumed a total of 40 minutes of my life because uh so she could make an extra uh sandwich uh and save an extra 50 cent kid runs back winded like fuck with two bags her original shit and this uh slither of, I'm sorry, and this sliver of extra in another bag. Oh, I wish you would have put all of that in one bag. She, wow, I guess why wow, she said that. Quit, uh, was it quick? Five people uttering, what the fuck at the same time? Might have been a, you shitting me in there too. It was the one and only time I wish the deli gods would allow that slicer to spit a chode in the bag. Uh, chunky throat toad chode. <laughs> One time pass only. Uh, she was gone from the parking lot by the time I got out there. I wanted to jam a tin can down her. <laughs> Jesus Majesty's larics. <laughs> and punch the checker. Jesus. And punch the checker in the back of the neck for not calling in some backup. Unacceptable. Uh, sort of two banger. Trifecta, if you don't count the sloth in the deli apparently landing the Mars rover back there. Jesus, man. That fucking stinks. Thank you for the submission, Terry. Uh, I would have loved to seen the fucking people throwing their hands up. Um, all right. Let's move on. Okay, this next one here is from Eric Lundy. Sandwich shop unacceptable. Hey, Paul, I'll jump straight into my unacceptable for the week. On the day after Christmas, I was hanging out with a girl I just started dating, and she suggested that we visit a sandwich shop in her neighborhood. We walked in, everything on the menu looks good, the prices aren't bad, and the place is clean. So I'm thinking that we found a great place uh, where I could become a regular whenever I'm visiting her. That went out the window when I got to the counter to order a cheesesteak. After the cashier asked if I wanted a regular or a large, I asked him how big the large was. This clown turned around, pointed to a picture on the wall, and said, It's that big. Thinking that this dude didn't understand me, I asked him how many inches it is. 
And this animal says, I don't know, but you can look at the picture and estimate. Who says that? I would have been happy if he just guessed and lied to me. I didn't want to freak out in front of my girl, so I played it cool and ordered. But inside, I was thinking that we should lock this guy, his unacceptable customer service, and this stupid cheesesteak in a cage. Thanks for the podcast, and I and love the album. Thank you, Eric. And uh, I that's a guy who hates his job, dude. That's what that is. That's a fucking guy who hates his job. Um... All right, so here's here's what's going to happen with the show, guys. I'm going to finish out these unacceptables, and then I am going to start part two. I'm putting two out today, all right? So you're going to get a fucking big-time dose of the show because uh, there's just too much on here, and I don't want to rush through. I got to talk about making a murder. I got to talk about sports, so I'm going to do that on the next one. Um, here we go. This one is from uh, Robert uh, Loria, okay? And uh, Robert says, hey, Paul. Uh, it was a nearly flawless night out with one major hiccup. I open a tab and leave my card with the bartender. That's the fucking worst. I did that too. At the end of the night, I go to close the tab. The clueless bartender said that she couldn't find my card and proceeded to pay no further attention to me. Slightly peeved, I seek out the owner who just happened to come out of the bathroom and I made my approach. I said, excuse me, sir, and caught him up um, and asked him, uh, yeah, and caught him up and asked, I guess you were trying to say caught up to him, but whatever, uh, and asked him to talk to the bartender to see what uh, he could find out. He tells me to relax and that he'll see what he can do. I find this old stocky prick hugging young college girls 13 seconds later, refusing to handle any obligations and responsibilities as a bar owner. This asshole was just out for a good time and he was inappropriately touching young women throughout the uh, entirety of the through the entirety of the night. Wow. Uh, I go home uh, and cancel my credit card as I figure this is a way easier solution than to try to deal with this uh, these nitwits. My unacceptable is less for the bartender who had pretty hectic night and more for this owner who didn't want to hassle uh, the hassle of trying to help uh, his customer. My question is, how would you have handled this case? Um, I would have fucking went up to the owner again and I would have been like, excuse me, sir, I don't mean to interrupt you when you're hanging out with young girls, okay? Like I would have made it like a funny slash, I know what you're doing, you fucking sleazy prick. You know, but listen, I don't mean to interrupt you while you're hanging out with these fucking young minors, but uh, my fucking credit card in your establishment uh, being lost is more important than you fucking, you know, fucking a minor tonight or something like that, you fucking asshole. Um, but yeah, no, you took the high road. I mean, it's always better to not say what I just said. Uh, here we go. This is from Josh Innocent. Hi, Paul. Sorry for the late unacceptable. I need to share this with you. So there's a liquor store that's a minute away from my house. It was recently bought by an Indian couple. No biggie here, right? Every time I go there, the owner, who's always drunk, never fails to scream, Hey, buddy, uh, which isn't the problem. <laughs> That's which isn't the problem. I actually like the guy. He always goes out of his way to take care of me. It's this slob monster of a wife that bothers uh, that bothers me. It's his slob slob monster. Wow, of a wife that bothers me. I went to buy some spirits today, and as I'm making small talk with the owner, his wife just openly burps 
at the register in front of me twice. I'm not easily disgusted, but there's something incredibly gross about a middle-aged Indian woman with a mustache freely burping as if she's in front of the TV. Seriously unacceptable. Throw that beast in a well. (laughs) Thank you for the submission, man. That's fucking hilarious. Okay, this next one here is from uh, Matt Lim. Or Lim. I think it's Matt Lim. Uh, Dear Paul, big fan here in Northern Virginia, just outside of D.C. Congrats on Night at the Stand, the MSG show, and the 240 episodes of TVE you're crushing. So thank you so much. I'll do my best to keep it short. Another familiar, uh, anyone familiar with DMV, uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, knows how terrible our traffic can be. In fact, I believe it's the second worst traffic in the entire country. L.A. is number one. Two days after Christmas, a group of about 50, oh yeah, because this is, this is called dirt bike douchebags. Two days after Christmas, a group of about 50 plus uh, sport bike riders decided to shut down a section of the busiest highway, 495 Capitol Beltway, blocking four lanes of traffic just so they could film themselves doing stunts, dancing on the road, and acting like complete cunts. This ridiculous stunt created a traffic jam that stretched for miles. There's video of the incident that shows these shitbags enjoying themselves, yelling bike life, and taking selfies in the mayhem. Oh, my God. Just think for a second, what if you were stuck in traffic with an injured family member, God forbid, unable to get to the hospital because a bunch of douchebag cunts decided to put on an amateur hour stunt show in the middle of the day on the busiest highway. These sons of bitches could have easily went to an open parking lot somewhere or deserted road to do their stunts and make videos. But no, they wanted to fuck with people just trying to get on with their life. This sickens me even more because I am a sport bike enthusiast myself. I enjoy weekend rides with friends on twisty roads and the occasional visit to the racetrack where it's okay to ride like an animal. Uh, These pricks only figure the negative stereotype of bikers and it hurts the entire community. Uh, I'm sorry, these pricks further the negative stereotype of bikers that only hurts the community. Put them in a cage, drag the cage around the beltway. Thanks for the last one. P.S. Here are some videos of the incident. Yeah, I'm watching this. This is is really ridiculous, man. Like, these guys don't care. Oh, I got to look. Yeah, it really is, like, ridiculous that um, they were even, like, like allowed that, like, law enforcement or somebody's like, look, dude, you guys could ride here, of course, but, like, you can't be fucking taking selfies and doing stunts. Like, you got to get pulled over for that shit. It's ridiculous. But, uh... I'm looking at, but then there's also people coming out of their cars, like excited and yeah, that's, yeah, there's people on cars standing up. Yeah, that's just that dude. That's just ridiculous. And it's also dangerous. It's, um, yeah, it's, that's ridiculous. Talk about road rage. We're talking about Sean Quinn, my friend who smashed a bottle, which is the funniest fucking thing. Smashed a bottle and did nothing with it, holding a little bit. But, like, he does this thing. He gets such bad road rage, he starts clapping at the people. 
So I'll be like, yeah, good for you. Yeah, cut me off, you piece of shit. Oh, my God, we're crying laughing. All right, a few more here, and we're done. Uh, this is a quick one. Joel uh, Shivek says, hey, Paul, uh, TV is great. I knew you. I knew of you from high school. A month ago in Rhode Island, I was at a Denny's online waiting to be seated. This animal pulls out nail clippers and proceeds to clip her nails in the middle of the restaurant. Cage these animals. Unacceptable. I will call unacceptable myself for going to a Denny's, but I was being a lazy traveler. Keep up the good work. And then I see her. He took a picture of her. Clipping her nails online at Denny's. She's clipping her nails, looking at them. And the way she's doing it indicates to me she's just letting the fucking nails fly anywhere. That's fucking disgusting. People are about to eat eggs. All right, two more quick ones and we're done, everybody. Oh, how much time do I have here? Let's see. All right, yep. I'm going to just put this out. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm putting it. uh, You know what? Let me finish this. Uh... Eric O'Neill, hey Paul, I got a travel one for you. I'm going to try to keep it brief. I live in Southern California now. As of July and uh, as of July and Christmas was the first time I've been home and seen any friends or family since moving. Flight from home was over uh, 30 minutes late due to understaffing at the gate, one girl checking bags, passes, helping handicap the whole thing. This made me miss my connecting flight in Phoenix and had a five-hour layover in the middle of the night. Next flight out of Phoenix was uh, 50 minutes late because the first officer of the plane couldn't find a way to show up on time, making me miss another flight out of Charlotte and get home a total of seven hours later than planned. Jesus Christ. Sorry, I sneezed. That sucks, dude. Now on my way home, initial flight delayed to weather. Uh, which I get in Texas, but then connecting flight out of Dallas is, oh my God, inexplicably delayed another hour, not due to weather, uh, never flying with these ruthless fucks again, despite all of this, had a great holiday, hope you did too, and your podcast uh, helped me from putting these idiots <laughs> in cages, thank you so much, I appreciate it, Eric, and uh, here we go. Last one. Adam uh, Sosnowski. I think I got that right. Or, yeah, Sosnowski. Hi, Paul. Love your podcast. Thanks for the last. Mine acceptable is that one of my favorite comedians, Mr. Paul Verzi, does not have a YouTube channel. I know you don't want to give your material away so people will come to your shows, but I'm sure... You have some jokes you don't do anymore. You can put them up as well as some backstage material. I really want uh, you to get big and eventually come to Europe so I could see you live. I think YouTube is a great platform to get more people to know your stuff. By the way, the good fellas bit you did with, uh, with the stand. Awesome. Keep up the good work. Well, Adam, as a matter of fact, I have a few. There's a few bits out there that I have. If you go to my website, paulverzi.com, I don't have much, you know, just kind of snippets and stuff like that because I'm working on a new hour. But now that, um, you know what, you make a good point. Now that the um, Night at the Stand is out, I'll go and I'll look at some clips from Night at the Stand when I was working on it and put it on there. 
But uh, you could see it on my website. There's a few. And then if you go to my website and you click on the YouTube page, there's just a few. But I will be adding I will be adding more. Right now I'm working on the new hours, so putting stuff for the old hours is definitely not a bad idea. Uh, thank you, guys. Those are uh, all of the unacceptables. We are uh, a minute and 26 in. I don't like keeping it more than 90 minutes for one show. And when I do, it's uh, really harder to upload and all that. And I don't want any problems because I want to get this out. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have this be part one. And I will continue right on with the next one, which would be I'm going to do sports and movies and talk about some stuff. Um, and uh, that'll probably be either like a half hour, 45 minute. Hey, stop doing that to the couch, you fucking idiot. Nah, my wife will freak out. The cat starts scratching on the fucking couch, and then I get pissed off. I save these cats from my wife taking them and fucking putting them outside or whatever. I mean, they are inside and outside cats. I don't know why I'm explaining this to you, but they're fucking 11 years old. I've, I've stuck my neck out for these cats, and the fucker looks at me while he scratches the fucking couch. Okay, so this is part one. Um, not going to do plugs or anything like that. This is just part one. So... This is basically like when you have a movie that's long and you put in two discs. So get ready to put in the second disc. I want to put this one out uh, right now and then continue. Thanks.